Hello and welcome to this very special edition of our Leaders and Legends podcast. Today we have the pleasure in interviewing Major Mark Beretta. Most of our listeners would have heard of Mark Beretta, but just in case you haven't, he is Australia's most watched sports presenter, currently working with the Seven Network. Whether it's AFL, motorsport, the Olympics, the Sydney to Hobart, or any sport, he has commentated and or reported on them all. His connection with sport goes way back to his time as a 10-time Australian water ski champion, including winning a silver medal at the Singapore International Masters and has held a US regional record. He started his career as an engineer working with BHP and Honeywell and began his broadcasting career at Radio 3GL in Geelong in 1988. The following year, he moved to Triple M Melbourne as a sports reporter in 1994, he joined Channel 10 and within a year was picked up by the Seven Network as a sports reporter. Mark is an author of two books, The Riders, Australia's Motorcycle Champions, released in 2010, and Mark Beretta's Greatest Moments in Australian Sport, which was released in 2022. Since 2010, he's been a regular participant in the Tour de Cure bike ride which raises money to help find a cure for cancer, and in 2011 was appointed to the board of Tour de Cure and for service to the community through charitable organisations, was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia in the 2021 Queen's Birthday Honours. In 2019, Major Beretta joined the Army as a Circat 3 Public Affairs Officer and since joining, has been extremely proactive in serving and supporting any task he can get his hands on, including support to us here at The Cove. Sir, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for finding time in your busy schedule to spend time with us today. Uh, Mark, always a pleasure, and, and thank you for that very, um, very good introduction. It feels like I've been around way too long when you put it all down like that. But, <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, look, the bottom line is I've, I've had a good time and there's not much um, that I've done in there that I haven't actually thoroughly enjoyed, including my time in Army, which I, really gives me a huge amount of satisfaction. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's get straight into the questions then. You are a hugely popular presenter and personality in the media, and so many of us think we, we know you a little. But how would you describe yourself and where you have come from? Uh, I hate to use the expression humble beginnings, but I think that's probably pretty accurate. My, my, I come from a family of plumbers in Geelong and, uh, my, my dad, the one thing I learned from my dad was work ethic. And he, he did have a saying, you might, he said, you might not be the smartest bloke in the room, but you can always be the hardest working and that'll get you there. And it's, pretty, it's been pretty true. And it's probably what I've lived by. Um, I was lucky as I, as I grew up, um, and, and we had a, a great time growing up in the outskirts of Geelong. We had paddocks around us and, you know, as kids, we had a lot of space and, family around us. So I was always doing things with, with cousins and there was generally a posse, probably about 10 of us that rolled around the streets of East Geelong and created havoc. But um, <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a good way to grow up. You know, family was, became pretty important. And uh, along the way, I just, I was lucky enough to find good, good people to point me in the right direction. And I, probably what I've learned from that is the importance of just, just listening to good people and, and taking them in and staying close. And, you know, if I've ever found someone who, I've found helpful and, and motivates me. I've, I've made a point of, you know, seeking out more from them. And, um, you know, I look back and I've had, you know, through my sport time, school time, through work time and career, I've, I've just had good people around me and, and being able to, to learn learn from them and, and ask the stupid questions. And, you know, for some reason they've been kind to me and, you know, 
it just helps you along the way. So, you know, the importance of mentors. Now, people talk a lot about mentors these days. And I think in a way we've always, you know, we've always had them. We just haven't really recognised their importance and what they do. But, um, you know, I just think mentors is, is such an important thing. And above all, having someone who believes in you is just such an important thing too. So, you know, for me, uh, it was <laughs> it was a, a bit of a bumpy ride. I, I started work with my dad in the plumbing business. I lasted two weeks until he came to me on a Friday night and said, listen, Mark, I reckon... Um, I'm not sure this is for you. Maybe uh, you know, something else. So I had the rare distinction of being one of the few people sacked by their own dad, which is interesting. Um, but he was he was right. You know, he, he pointed me off to um, to engineering school, and I went and did my degree in engineering. And at about the same time, I, I had all my forms to to head off to to join army. And I just, I guess, I just took a different route. You know, but it always stayed in my head that one day I wanted to circle back and and get this done. And um, anyway, I plotted along and. Um, I just loved sport and I didn't want to get out of sport. So um, I found my way into radio at a, a job where I'd, I'd go and read the sport on the radio in the morning and then I'd nick off to uni during the day. And uh, that led me to Triple M in Melbourne. I, I cooked up with a bloke called Eddie Maguire, who was a pretty good young kid at the time. And he kindly took me to Channel 10. And then um, I got a call about a year later from Channel 7 saying, listen, do you want to come over and work with us? We've got some good things happening. And I did that. And that's 28 years ago and I've been with seven for 28, with Sunrise for 20 years now. So it's been uh, it's been an incredible run. I've, it feels like it's just flown by. You know, I've had, had good fun every day. And uh, my connection to Army started, uh, I emceed the Legacy Ball in Brisbane, which a lot of people would be familiar with. It's a massive, massive night, the Defence Ball in Brisbane. And um, uh, I ended up at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, at the James Squires pub near the convention centre there, <laughs> And uh, I was talking to a, a bunch of people from the um, from the ball, and it turns out there were a couple of people who were in recruiting at the time, and I dropped that. You know, I'd always wanted to join. I, one of my great regrets I'd never had, but I was too old now. And uh, they said, "Well, as a matter of fact, you're not too old. Well, let's talk Monday." And we talked, and I went in and uh, went through defence force recruiting and did all that process, and I managed to get my way through somehow, and um, I met some good people at the time. Um, General McLaughlin was uh, Commander Forces Command, and uh, he kindly said that there might be a spot for me in public affairs with Major Hamlin. So uh, I went in and joined there and just haven't looked back. You know, I really, really enjoy it, and I could easily go full-time. It's it's great opportunity. And I wish I'd, I'd known uh, what I know now about Army and the career opportunities and where it can take you and the, the incredible things you can do because you know, it may have changed my, my outcome. But I'm, I'm not unhappy with the way I've gone and what I've done. I've, I've had a ball, but I think that. The most important thing I try and do is enjoy what I do. You know, if I don't enjoy something, I'm, I tend to steer away from it. But if I find something that I, I really enjoy, I, I will put more time into it, you know, and, and try and get more out of it. And the other second wisest thing my dad ever said was, um, you know, the more you put into something, the more you'll get back out of it. And it's so true. You know, if you find, especially if you can find that thing that you enjoy, if you put your energy into it, you know, the more you put into it, the more you'll get back out of it. So, you know, I've always Absolutely. found that to be a, a pretty good rule. All right. Well, you've covered off on about three or four other questions I have, which, which is okay. <laughs> Save us a bit no. of time. <laughs> I'm <gonna> roll. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. Uh, let's now uh, let's talk, talk a little bit about education. So I mentioned in the en- intro, and you've spoken about it, that, that you do have an engineering degree. How important uh, do you think has education been as a foundation or in shaping where you are today? Um, I think really important. And just to background that, I... I I struggled through engineering school. It was it didn't come naturally to me, and I 
I just, you know, I'd gone through, and the, the days that I went through school, um, you, you know, you did humanities or you did maths and science. If you did maths and science, you were going to do a science degree or an engineering degree or medicine or something like that. And um, so I'd, I'd done that. And I took a year off and I went um, and coached water skiing in the United States because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was an all right water skier. So I could get away with that. And that sort of, um, that was a, a good year. And I, I recommend that gap year to people. You know, I just think it, it lets you experience the world and just clarify your thoughts on what you want to do. And so I went and did that and had a ball. It just showed me a different, you know, just, just more of the world. So I came back hopefully a little bit wiser. I think maybe I was a little bit wiser and went into engineering school and, and chugged along with that. But I've always, I think that that curiosity and that that thirst to learn is something you develop. And and I think when you when you've got that, it's it's a great skill to have and a, and a great advantage in life, you know, because you do, you know, that the, just that curiosity and wanting to know more and asking why. That only yep. teaches you about the world, but also about people. You know, mm, you start to appreciate right. people and, and what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. I don't know if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, Mark, but there's a great episode in Ted Lasso about that curiosity and you know, finding out why people do what they do. And, you know, it's pretty true. It's it's a good thing to have. But one of the things that I've always – the job that I got into with, with media, there's no formal training for it really. You know, I, I came out of engineering school. People came from all sorts of backgrounds. Today it's a little bit better. There are, you know, there are courses and people go off and – do their degrees in journalism and their masters yep. and all that sort of thing. But when I came through, there was there was none of that. So you did a cadetship, which I sort of went through. And but one of the things I I found as I, I moved on, like I went for a long period of just no training and no no education in the workplace. And and one of the things I've loved about army is is the opportunities there to you know to to skill up and to get that that training. And you know for me at my stage of life, the the management training and, and learning to work with people really well. You know and and sort of going to that next level of you know, administration and, and uh, legal details and all that sort of thing has, has been a, a really good education. So I, I, I've probably got, a, I'd like to think I've got a bit of a curiosity to learn. So, you know, that's that's been a big thing for me. And that's where also where Army has just helped me, um, I guess, fuel that, that hunger to learn a little bit more and, and upskill. Fantastic. Fantastic. Look, you've spoken about your dad quite a few times, but, uh, and he's probably one of them. But who has been the biggest influence on your career, and why? And what inspires you? I, I reckon if I on career, it's probably a couple. And I think you you evolve through the people who you you know who you, you look up to or are mentored Definitely. by. And for me, early on, um, career wise, um, with two blokes, one was obviously Eddie McGuire, who I worked with at Triple M. So I looked at Eddie, and Eddie was similar to me. You know, he came from working class background, and and he had that whole hunger. He just he never stopped working. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it certainly helped both of us get to where we are. You know, we we just we always we worked harder, we stayed longer at a story. You know, we we wouldn't leave the tribunal until everyone else had left and all the story was was done and dusted. You know, so I learned that from him. Another bloke, Jim Jim Wilson, who was at seven with me as well. Um, Jimmy and I spent a lot of time together in our early years, and Jimmy was a similar sort of hunger. You know, people who are, are passionate about what they do have a real hunger for it, and if you can get around those people, you know, you can really you can accelerate and, and learn really quickly. And I think okay. as, as I moved through work, David Koshy um, has probably been the greatest influence on me. And we, we worked together for over 20 years. But just he he's just such a well-rounded human. You know, he's, he's got four kids. He knows a bit about business. He loves his sport. You know, he, he was a great mentor on TV. He, he really almost single-handedly created the Sunrise Show with a bit of help from, from a few others. But he, um, yeah, just, I, I think I'd, I just learned so much from him and, and I learned from him a lot about dealing with people and compassion for people. Um, you know, Koshi's got a great way of actually really caring about people. Um, and I found that that was one of the 
the greatest skills you can have is again it comes back to probably that that curiosity and just being interested in people and and getting the best out of them so that's probably my my mentors if you like yeah okay all right so my next question was in almost all sports coaches are essential in the professional world we tend to have mentors have you had professional coaches or mentors throughout your career yeah i mean you it's it's a it's a good question. I, I think more and more so. And we we've got a good scheme at seven that that hooks people up as as mentors. And I just think it's so important. I, I think that that partnering up can be good. But also, I think you sort of organically need to find your mentors too. You know, it's it, it's more a case of finding someone who I think who you you look up to and you look at them and you say, yeah, I like the way they work. I like the way they deal with people. And I think you're sort of naturally attracted to to like people uh, who, who share your values. So I think once you can explore that and you know, find someone who really, you know, who you, I guess, look up to, but gel with and, and respect. And, you know, someone who's maybe a year or two ahead of you who can mentor you is is such a valuable thing. I think you don't, I've never seen anyone really get where they're going completely on their own. You know, you, you need help. Even I go back to, to my sporting days, you know, I'd, I had great coaches. I had an, an old guy called Frank Swain who just took an interest in me as a young skier and put so much time into helping me, you know, get better at what I was doing. And without him, I you know I, I wouldn't have probably kicked on to that that level that I got to. And you know, you just look back now and you appreciate the time that people give you. I think the flip side too is you've got to you've got to really appreciate the time that people do give you because people who mentor you sort of do it on top of everything else they're doing, and whether that's family or work commitments or whatever. And generally, if you're going to a mentor, it's because they're successful at what they do, so they're putting a fair bit of effort into what they do too. But I think it's important to be respectful of their time as well. And you know, and use it wisely and value it and you know, make the most of it. And, and what about you, sir? You, you, do you think you have many mentees? Are you working with anybody? Um, I, I do. We we have a lot of young people. I, if I look at Seven Life, we have a lot of young people come through Seven and I, I'm i I'm really aware of that. I I think sometimes you can, you can fall into the trap of being a bit guarded about what you do to protect your own patch. Um, yep. I've, I've not been of that mindset because I I really believe in bringing people up and the more that you can train people up and help people and make them better at what they do, that benefits you. You know, you lift the whole team and the whole environment around you. We probably, I'd say I get probably a new person in about every six, or excuse me, six months or a year. Um, we have a lot of people come through because of the hours that you have to work as part of Sunrise. We turn people over. It's, mm-hmm. It can be a pretty brutal environment. So, mm-hmm. but I always, yeah, I, I make a point of, you know, those who need it. And I mean, I don't, I'm not everyone's choice of a mentor, so I, I don't force it on people. But for those who come to me and, and want to, you know, want a hand, I'm very, very open. And I think it's, to be honest, I often hear from people who do do that, that the rewards as a, a mentor are actually greater than what the, the mentee is receiving. You know, people find I, that I they agree. surprise themselves. Yeah, you surprise yep. yourself with what you get back out of it. And I'm involved Absolutely. in a charity called Raise, which... Their aim is to give every year nine kid in Australian high schools a mentor so that every kid has someone to go and talk to and, and lean on when they need to. And they've identified that year nine as sort of the crucial stage of life where we really, you know, we need someone. So um, I do a lot of work with them, but I hear from them and they pull a lot of people out of corporates and business in the city and place them with kids sort of, um, you know, in regional areas. Um, the great thing about that is that um, – Again, the mentors find that they actually not only surprise themselves, but they did end up getting a lot more out of the process than the mentee did. And I think you know, there's a lot in that. It's, it's often that old saying that it's in giving that you receive. You know, it's the more you give to someone, the, the more you get involved, the, the more effort you put in, the more you get back out. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, we'll change it up a bit now. Um, what is what has been the highlight of your broadcasting career and why? Oh, it's the truth. That's hard. Uh, look, I've been lucky enough to be in some really good places at some really good times. I think um, uh, the, from sheer, if you take it on audience, uh, in what I do at Seven, I was lucky enough by a fluke uh, to be hosting the telecast of the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games the night that Cathy Freeman ran her oh. 400 metres in the stadium. Yeah, it was just an amazing moment. And as, as a broadcaster, you know, you don't get that very often. It was it was pretty special. But look, I've been lucky enough to go to 13 Olympic Games now, summer and winter. So I've had some incredible memories. I've called a gold medal for Elisa Camplin in Salt Lake City at the Winter Olympics in Freestyle Aerials, which was our first skiing Olympic Winter Olympic gold medal. So that was pretty yep. cool. Being on the ground at big events like AFL Grand Finals, particularly when your team wins, go Cats. Um, always pretty, pretty special. Well, well, I was just going to be. You haven't mentioned the Panthers three peat yet, sir. So <laughs> we'll get, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll get that in, Mark. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I've been lucky enough. I've probably interviewed just about every every major sports star that you could imagine. And I still I interviewed Scotty Pippen from the Chicago Bulls the other day, and I still I, I'm. I, it's why I love the job. I still get a buzz out of it. You know, I still get excited about. It. I still get nervous about talking to people like that. The only one I missed, I got close to um, doing Muhammad Ali um, in Atlanta in 96, and I just missed out on him. But apart from that, I um, oh, did wow. Tiger Woods' Tiger Woods's first interview when he first came to Australia. Um, wow. Through Sunrise, I've, I've had a, an amazing run, and um, you know, I'm lucky to call probably a lot of Australian sports people I'd, I'd sort of call mates. So, you know, it's um, – and I, I get involved. For me, I get involved with the people as soon as I – once I know the people, um, I get really deeply involved in their sport and what they're trying to do. And, you know, it's people say to me, what's your favourite sport? And it's really, it's obviously hard to pick, but for me, it becomes about the athlete. Now, once I know the athlete and the athlete's story and what they've been through and, and how they got there, you know, that becomes for me pretty exciting. And, and that's sort yep. of the attraction. To, and I love telling their stories. That's, you know, that's the thing that I've loved about this job is I, I get to tell stories that I actually become really passionate about. Fantastic. So obviously you're very busy, obviously working Channel 7, <laughs> you're working Army, and you've got a whole lot of other engagements, which we'll talk about a bit later. But what, what is a typical day for Mark Beretta? Uh, typical day starts, the alarm goes off at 3.15. Um, <laughs> I know that if I don't get up straight away, it'll be a disaster. So I pretty much spring out of bed. And I, I'm lucky I've probably always been a morning person. I don't have a problem with that. And after 20 years, you're, you're pretty well drilled. So, yeah, so Bob up. I'm a bit brecky. Uh, race across town to the seven studios at Everly in Sydney. Uh, Sunrise goes on air at 5.30am. Before that, probably about an hour of, of prep and just going through the stories of the day. Like there's there's always something that needs chasing up, following up. And we, we're actually a pretty small, lean team, so that we need all hands on deck before the show starts. Sunrise does four, pretty much four and a half hours of live TV, which mm. um, for a live TV show, that's a, that's a big deal. And that's one of the attractions for me is the fact that you know, when you work in TV, live stuff is the thing to do. So once Sunrise finishes, I, I do try to get to the gym or to get out on the bike or do something just to clear my head and reset. Um, I, I might have a snooze now and then for a half hour or so, but then I rip into the rest of the day. And the rest of the day for me is I might have a, an MC job at, at night. Um, like at the moment, I'm, I did Master Builders Awards on the weekend, this Saturday night, being Remembrance Day. I'm on HMAS Adelaide as MC for the RSL event on um, on board HMAS Adelaide with the Governor-General, yep. so I'll start to prep for that. Uh, I've also got supercars work, so I've got a pile of stuff uh, that I need to get in order to be ready for the last supercars round of the year, so 
a lot of it is done at the desk at home. A lot of it is out at events and appearances, but, you know, it, it's full on. To be honest, I, I sometimes feel like a firefighter just putting out fires and running from fire to fire, but um, <laughs> I, I love I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. I, I think, you, you know, in life you build up to a tempo, and I've, I've found my tempo. I, I can't handle much more, but it's really, um, it, it's really good fun, and I love being busy. Great. And what about Army? What, you know, what sort of hours a week do you think, besides the, the special jobs and the emceeing mm. and all that, what, mm. what, how many hours a week do you think you give to Army or a month? Yeah, I would do, in a, in a week, it's probably easier. I'd probably do, on average, two, maybe three days a week. Um, right. And the nice thing is I'm, I'm working on things where I can, you know, generally uh, work from where I am. I, as far as I, I'm posted to Army headquarters, but I work out of, Forces Command at Big Barracks, so I'm, you know, I'm often in there. But um, the events that I work on, like, you know, something like Run Army, I can do from anywhere. The media training and media work I, I do for Army, uh, I can pretty much do from anywhere. So, you know, I can I can put a fair bit of time in wherever I am, which which really suits me because I do spend a, a fair bit of time on the road. I'll probably be interstate a couple of times a week, every week. So, um, you know, you, you learn, if you can carry a laptop and, and work from wherever you are, it's it's handy. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your service. What would you say is the most challenging thing about your job? I think is the uh, lack of tolerance for any sort of error. <laughs> mm, you just you, yeah. you just can't make mistakes, you know. And um, and I, I'm I, like most people, I'm my own toughest critic. If I make a mistake on air, I kick myself for a couple of days afterwards. So I really work hard, and that tends to be in the preparation. I just remind you, you know, you've got to. You've got to prepare, and the value of preparation is is priceless. You know, the more time you put into something, again, the 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 better the result, the happier you'll be. So I've I've learned that, um, but that goes for anything I do. I, I just know that I need to have my head in the game and be ready to go. And if I if I need notes or if I need you know if I need a, a speech or whatever, I've I've got to have it up and ready and a few days early so I can really get my head into it. But absolutely, um, yeah. Probably the toughest thing is that you know, and, and you are. I mean, we sunrise. We talk to two million Australians every day. Um, sometimes more on on bigger days, and you know you just you 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 basically got to have your stuff together. You know you, you can't afford to make mistakes because you're only as good as your last performance. If you you make a mistake at what you do or you you, you fluff it, you know people just just in this day and age of social media are not very yeah. tolerant. So no. you know you just got to you really got to have be plugged in and be um, be good to go. So that's that's probably the biggest challenge. And and the hours are hard too. I find the hours are you know they can be challenging. Although I'm I'm probably in the routine of it. Yeah, the the waking up at three fifteen is is never really that easy, and um, mm. it does catch up with you during the day. So, just kind of managing sleep is probably one of the the challenges of the job. Great. And is there anything you wish you had known before you started your career? Look, I don't think so. I'm I'm lucky. I, I don't have any great regrets about it. I think things played out pretty well. I, I probably. <laughs> well, I, what I, advice would you give to someone who's the the next Mark Beretta? What 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 advice would you <laughs> give to them as they're starting their career? Okay, I'd say mostly work hard, which is obvious. Uh, what you put in, you'll get back. But be, I think the greatest thing would be be curious. You know, be curious about people. Talk to people, in, engage with people. You know, every everyone you meet is important. Everyone's got a story to tell. And give people the time, all the time, you know. They are your most important asset of the people around you. So, you know, I'd never be dismissive of, dismissive of people. I think you um, – so much to be gained from people and everyone – I respect everyone's story, and I, I learn so much just from people's story and what they've been through, you know. And you never, never judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. All right. 
let's get on to a bit of Army now. Army and Defence has experienced a period of rapid change. You've been mm. in your industry for over 30 years. What advice have you got for us about managing change based on your experiences? Uh, learn to roll with it. You know, I, I must admit, TV, TV is, a, is a dynamic, brutal business. So I'm, I'm probably, I think I'm pretty well qualified to talk in this area. But um, things change. You, you can't always control it. And you've, you've just got to learn to go with it, you know, and, and absorb it and understand why. And I'll come back to that word curious again. You know, if you don't get why a change has happened or you don't agree, dig in, ask questions, find out why and get your head around why something's being done differently, why you've got to change. And, you know, generally you'll find it is for a good reason. You know, someone has thought it through at some level um, and there is a good reason. And it's not always communicated, which is the, the, probably the biggest problem. You know, often you know, when things are changing and evolving, we don't always know why. But we do have to change and evolve. I mean, particularly, I, I, I find from what I see of, of Army, it's, you know, I mean, that is probably the most dynamic environment and, and it's moving all the time, which, you know, is, is probably, I find that really exciting because, you know, even in my short time, in my sort of five or six years, so much has changed, you know, in, in, in the, the way that the force is made up, you know, where, where people are, where things are moving to. It's pretty incredible. And if you can get your head around the opportunity in that and the fact that that's a good thing, you know, no one wants to be in a stale environment. You don't want to be somewhere no. where nothing's happening and nothing's, you know, nothing's changing. This is great. And I think the other thing I find about Army that I really like is just the, the youthful energy. You know, the, the amount of young people who are coming in who, who are dynamic and, and good to go. And, you know, they just bring, bring something new to the party, you know. And, and they will, they're smart. You know, they will grab new ideas and go with it and just, you know, use that resource as well. You know, be aware that those, those young people around you, they are good to go with new ideas and, Absolutely. And they'll they'll help you as well. That's uh, absolutely yeah. All right. Well, tell us a bit about your duties as a public affairs officer, and and what do you think PAOs personally bring to Army? Um, obviously, Mark, I think they're vitally important because and I, I'll, let me explain that because it, the, in my mind, Army can't do anything without the engagement of the Australian people. So what what good is an Army if it's not working with the people and have the support of the people? Yep. And one of the things I think sometimes people in army forget is the amount of support they do have from the Australian public. You know, the Australian army, that rising sun badge is one of the most powerful valued emblems and brands anywhere in the world. And particularly in this country, you know, people love and respect army and that, that goes back, you know, well over a hundred years. So, you know, and army is a part of the community and it has to be. So that engagement that Australians have with army is, is so powerful. And that's what attracted me to Army. You know, I, I've always had great respect for the uniform and the people who wear it. So, you know, that to me, that's a, that's a bit of a given. What's important is that we maintain and build that relationship so that when Army does something, the, the people understand what's being done as far as they can. And, you know, at times there are security reasons that you can't tell every story or explain everything. Mm-hmm. But yep. I think it's really important. And, and uh, you know, and, and the team... Um, General Stewart understands that everybody at the top level understands that the importance of talking to people and explaining what we're doing is really important. So I think the the role of the public affairs officer is is a vital one. Um, obviously, I, I'm biased and I see a lot yep. of it, but that yep. connection between army and, and the public um, has got to be strong. It always has to be, and we, we need to maintain that. And as the, the custodians of that, you know, we we need to get army's good message out there because there is, you know, from time to time in the last few years, there have been messages out in the media that have you know not always been positive for army but we also have to be reinforcing the great stuff that that army does do sometimes you know, we and i put my hat back on as the media we the media focus on the negative 
you know, it okay. sells papers, it, it gets people's attention, but, you know, so does the good stuff that happens in the world, you know, and, and an army does a lot of good stuff. So I think the role of the public affairs office is really important. I think we need to even work harder to, to carry that message out there. And if we do our job well, then, then you know, soldiers go to do their job knowing that they've got the full support of the Australian people. And that, that's how I see the connection of the two. Um, you can't you can't have a successful army without the backing of the Australian people. And, and that's, you know, that's absolutely crucial and, and underpins what we have to do. Great answer, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, look, you're also an ambassador for Run Army, which is a very public event and positively promotes fitness to the broader community. But what do you think Run Army represents to our military people? Mark, I love Run Army. I love everything about it. I love where it came from. Um, I love that it came from the Running Change program, which which got people back into running who either just lapsed, you know, just, just got just gave it up for some reason, but have wanted to get back in and didn't have a pathway. People who are injured, um, people who've had all sorts of problems can find a way back to, to health and running through this running change program. It's awesome. Um, so then you had to have a you had to have a graduation event. You, know, you had to have an, an event to celebrate it. So General Elwood came up with the idea of a, of a run at Gallipoli Barracks in Brisbane, the 10K run, a 5K run. And we did that, uh, what, four years ago. Huge success. thousand people took part. We looked yep. at it, and, and General Elwood had a look at it. He said, right, I look, here's a chance for us to take this out to the streets and, and do it in public. So we moved it into the heart of Brisbane. Two and a half thousand people turned up. It was fantastic. This year, 5,000 people turned up. And the atmosphere, it's funny, I was just looking at photos last night. The atmosphere and what it does on, on all fronts for army and public is, is invaluable. It's one of the most important things in my mind as a, as a public affairs person that army does to connect to the community. And it, it's the community coming to army and saying, hey, we, just this is our way of saying thanks. We just want to come to this event shoulder to shoulder and run along with you and just say, hey, appreciate what you do and, and love and respect what you do. And I just think it's a, it's a great event. It also it brings people together in a fun environment, you know, it brings people who work together, you know, to have a bit of fun and a run and a good day outside of work. We throw a band on at the end of the day. Um, the good news on, on that is that the event is growing and growing. We've got some really massive announcements to make at the end of the month about Run Army for next year, which is going to blow people away. Um, right. But it's, it's a really, it's a good event. And they ran a great one in Townsville. They've run Run Army events for people posted overseas. And you can do the, the event virtually, you know, without actually being there in Brisbane. But it just got so much positive to it. Um, I really, really feel strongly about it. I, I see the good work that it does. And, you know, when you've got a garrison city like, you know, like Brisbane or a Townsville or a Darwin, you know, you can really, you can have a great event and it does bring the community together. And we know the relationships between the community and army in those centres is really important. And, uh, you know, just a way for everyone to come together and, and give each other a bit of a pat on the back and say, hey, thanks for what you do. Fantastic. Who is the most influential person you have met in Army and why and what characters or qualities about military leaders of any rank resonates with you? I, I have, I've got to say, huge respect for everyone who, who wears the uniform. And I, that goes across all levels. You know, I, I've had some time with some of our RSMs and I, I love the experience and, and the wisdom they, they bring, you know, the woe ones. And, and then I, I look even across to my reserve colleagues and I work with surgeons and dermatologists and legal yep. people and people from all professions who, who come to do this together. And, you know, when I go on courses with them, I, I just walk away with this amazing network of people and I just go, wow, you know. Yep. It's, like, it's as though Army is a vehicle for bringing great Australians together. And I really like that. As I said earlier, I love the energy of, 
of people who've just joined and coming in to begin their career. That's great. Our senior leaders are, are brilliant at what they do and their experience. You know, that, that inspires me as well. You know, I, I love just listening to, to what they, you know, what they do. And um, just to give an example, like um, I've obviously through Run Army, I've been in a lot of meetings with General Elwood. And I've, I've learned from him the skill of running great meetings. You know, he, he, he delegates and he listens to people and he takes people's opinions in. And when he's got to, he gathers all that information. And at the end of that process, he makes a decision. Now, I can tell you in the business and particularly the media world, things don't happen like that. You know, <laughs> a bit more of a dictatorship. But, but I just, you know, I, I think Army teaches a lot of good skills. And I know that, you know, also from our veterans as well who I've dealt with. You know, I think Army's an amazing institution. We think of it often for the job that it does today, but the way it prepares Australians to, to be part of the community ongoing um, is invaluable. So it's, it's the work done today and also the, the work done for tomorrow is, is pretty special. But honestly, I, I find inspiration in, in so many good people. You know, I find inspiration in senior soldiers who've, you know, who've given a, a lifetime of service. I've spent a lot of time with Grant McFarlane. I, I have huge respect for him. Um, you know, he's you know, these huge number of deployments around the world and what he did in his career. And, and like I say, for our, our senior leaders as well, you know, I've been lucky enough uh, to spend some time working with General Stewart, who I who just really impresses me in his career coming from, you know, soldier through to chief of army is an amazing yep. journey. So, yep. you know, I, I, honestly, every time I talk to someone, we sit down, you know, to function or mess or whatever, I just, I, I love to just, just prod and, and dig into what they've done because it, I find it inspiring and, and motivational and, and just, just really good stories that, you know, you, you just never stop learning. You're learning all the time from people and there's Absolutely. a lot of people in army to learn from. Absolutely. Well, well, your profile and your experience clearly help with your role in Army. But what, what do you think has surprised you or is it different about military service compared to your primary job? Uh, the, the sense of service was probably the biggest thing I noticed. And I never anticipated it when I came in. I didn't get that, you know, people um, really felt the, the service to nation. And, uh, and I do now too, you know, I, to be honest, I love putting the uniform on because it, it, it takes me out of this grind job that I have, uh, no, not a grind job. I love the job, but you know, this normal life, and and I'm thinking about other people, you know, and how I can help the team and what I can do to make this team more successful. So I think that that notion of service to the nation was the thing that really, <clears throat> you know, really struck me as, as something that was really deep down and and really strong in the hearts of people who serve. And you know, it's, and it, it's not lost. You know, I know from working with veterans and and RSL people maintain that for life you know you get that strong connection and you don't just give it up when you step out so you know i just think um that that was the real eye-opener for me was the notion of service to nation you've been an elite athlete and you deal with elite elite athletes on a daily basis what lessons can we take from sports and apply to soldiering and vice versa um they're so similar so incredibly similar and one of the the great jobs i've been able to do is to bring in some of our elite athletes uh, like we've had uh, Steve Waugh come in and, and talk to people, um, but different athletes come in at different times and just talk about their stories. And the similarities are incredible because, you know, the, the reality is that the, the job of, of soldiering requires physical demands, it requires training, it requires you, you know, at times to do things that you wouldn't want to do at that particular time as an athlete does with their training. You know, that no athlete wants to get up and train every morning. There are days when they don't want to do that. And it's the same as, you know, preparing for the job of a soldier. So, and, and the mental side of it as well, you know, getting your head right for what you've got to do, getting the focus to do the job well, the idea of, of teamwork, all of those qualities are, are exactly the same in elite sport. So, you know, I think 
I would like to think that we can build those bridges even closer between um, sport and an army because I think there's so much to learn from each other. And, and vice versa, I think athletes, the athletes that I've been able to bring in um, are so grateful for the opportunity to, to get around our soldiers and to get to, you know, get to know our people and philosophy and understand what army does. You know, um, I can't think of anyone who's come in who hasn't been completely blown away. And, and mm-hmm. I, I mentioned Steve War because I've, I call on him a lot. I think he's done three or four functions with us uh, yep. where he speaks about leadership and, you know, the times that he's been through. But um, it's never a problem. I pick up the phone to to any just about any athlete in this country. Um, Anna Mears was one. You know, we've got Anna Mears coming up for an event, you know, and, and she's absolutely no worries at all. And she's probably one of the most inspirational athletes that I know of. And, um, you know, she's now boss of the Australian Olympic team. So, you know, to, to be able to tap into that resource and what she's been through to achieve success. And it, it's about that as well. It's about getting through adversity to achieve success because, you know, there, there are times in Army where you – you know, you, you're really, you're fighting hard. You, you're struggling to get on with what you've got to do. And, you know, once you, you can pick up and get some skills and some tips in dealing with that and how to get to where you are and the importance of preparation, the importance of attitude, the importance of your resilience and mental toughness, you know, all of those things can come from sports. So, you know, I, I see enormous parallels. Fantastic. Well, let's sort of get to the final question. It's You're a qualified engineer, a ski champion, a sports presenter, a commentator, an author, a cyclist, well-respected journalist, father, and now an army officer. How do you fit all that in? <laughs> like like uh, cramming a size 10 foot into a size six footy boot, I think. You just <laughs> you, you push it all in and, and just, you know, see how it goes. But I, I, the beauty for me is I'm doing what I love. You know, everything I do is um, I really get enormous. I get more back from them what I what I put in sometimes, well, most of the time, I'd say. So, you know, it becomes a, a, a passion. I think, you know, for me, the, the thing that is most important is spending time with the kids and family. That has always got to be a priority. You know, you work everything else around it. But as far as the work life goes, you know, you, you tend to gravitate to the things you enjoy and, and the things that you bring you most satisfaction. And um, I always find the beauty of having a few things, few strings to your bow is that maybe when one thing, you know, is annoying you or you're not going so well at, you switch over sure. and you pick up something else and that, you know, you'll get satisfaction. You'll feel good about that. Um, but I often find, you know, if, I'm, if I'm, I'm pissed off at the end of the day, then, you know, maybe I'll open the computer and there'll be some good news in there on, an, on another front or, you know, there'll be something good to go to and organise for Tour de Cure about our next ride or, you know, there'll be a good opportunity in Army I can go work on. So, yeah, I think it's actually, it's interesting. Um, and it does, it's good for the mind. I think it's good to have different challenges and, and keep yourself busy. I've, I probably, um, that's just me. I think some people were just wired like that. You know, I'm, I'm in perpetual motion, if you like. I like to keep moving. So for me, it, you know, it, it works really well. It's the only way I could be. But, um, yeah, I think you just got to remember to keep family at the forefront. Fantastic. Well, that's all the questions I've got. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, look, I, I, the only thing I'd say, Mark, is how much I've, I have learned and enjoyed from Army. And as I said earlier on, I, I could easily go full time. I think the opportunities there... You know, if I had have known early on what was on offer in, in Army, I, I probably would have been here a lot sooner and, and maybe more full-time. But, you know, and it, it comes back to people. For me, it's always about people. You know, I've met great people. Every time I meet someone new, I, I just find them, you know, really good people, fascinating people. And, you know, I think so long as, as Army can can keep that and, and keep good people involved, you know, that ensures the success of the organisation for a long time to come. So um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to come in and, and be a part of Army and, 
and to wear that rising sun means a lot to me as it i know it does to a lot of other people too well sir it's been an absolute honor to interview you you've had an absolutely amazing career and for those that don't know major beretta is also a part of the cove team conducting a lot of live stream interviews for us and sir once again thanks for your support to oh, the okay. listeners Pleasure, <laughs> mate. thanks mate. thank you to the listeners thanks again for joining us on this cove podcast Make sure you keep an eye out for more podcasts in the future and don't forget to download the Cove app. It's PME in your pocket anywhere, anytime.